Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. And then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Well, this week, I was at a clergy retreat, a clergy gathering in Bend, Oregon. Um, It was a gathering of all the Methodist clergy from Oregon and Idaho. Mostly they're from Oregon, because, you know, there's more churches in Oregon. I kind of think there might be more people in Oregon. And it's the first retreat since COVID arrived. And it's the first one I've been to, because I'm relatively new in the Methodist world. As you know, I am an ELCA Lutheran pastor serving a Methodist congregation. There's actually quite a few of us serving under these interministerial agreements. They put us into different groups, and one of the groups I was put in is um, ministers of other denominations, and, and we're not a small crowd. And there was wonderful time of, of worship and of visiting and of, and of spending time with people who've served this church. So one of the people I spent a little time with was Pastor Scott, who um, served this church right before me. So I've been here like a year and a quarter, and he was right before me for three years. He's the one who was here in the lockdown when things were just really difficult. And he said, he sat me down, he said, now Mia. He said, said, "I, I I, I watched the Facebook page, and I look at your website, and he goes, and I just see such energy and such amazing faithful things happening and he says and I see new faces that I don't recognize from my time pre-COVID and he said you're just doing such good work what a wonderful thing to hear from somebody who's been in ministry so long and he talked about his own uh, like right now he has two churches that he's serving and he kind of spends half the time at one and half the time at the other and how he's holding that together. I was in a small group and there's a retired clergy couple who introduced themselves to me and they say, well, we're John and Debbie Pitney. We served CUNA United Methodist from 1977 to 1981. That's over 40 years ago. And they asked how Leela and Rick were doing. And I said, still kicking. Still here. Still here. (laughs) 
Debbie told me about how when they were here was when the steeple was put up and the sanctuary was turned around. And at one point, they're both retired and they have that fabulous, you know, retirement energy. <laughs> um, and I, I was talking with Debbie and I said, what, what is some wisdom that you, you know, from your decades of time in ministry um, that you picked up? She thought for a minute and she said to me, she said, be real about your faith. Be real about what you believe. And that is good advice. And this was my first Methodist um, clergy gathering. And clergy gatherings, frankly, always have some weirdness. The details are different in different denominations. And there was weirdness at this one. Because in the Methodist church, the Methodist church is Episcopal, which means the bishop has authority over clergy and congregations. Um, clergy are appointed by the bishop, but they're not actually appointed directly by the bishop. The bishop has assistants called district superintendents. And the district superintendent assigns clergy and can remove clergy, so they have the power to hire and fire. Some people have felt really uplifted by their district superintendents, and others have been hurt, dis felt dismissed. Some district superintendents have felt, you know, supported by their clergy, and others have felt, um, you know, that their clergy opposed them and have even lied to them. So the weirdness is that clergy can be appointed to a congregation, a church, or they can be appointed district superintendent. So people who can be appointed district superintendent now are in this position of authority over former colleagues. And six years later, they go back to being appointed to a church and have somebody else district superintendent over them. So this history of power makes for clergy gatherings it can be a little weird because there's people there with folks who were formerly their district superintendent that maybe there was trouble in that relationship or people who had formerly been district superintendents with clergy where there was trouble. So that's a little weirdness. And as I'm there, I'm sitting with today's reading. Today's parable that Jesus shares with us, he starts with the point. Usually, Jesus tells the parable, and then maybe we'll get an explanation. This one, Jesus starts with the explanation. Jesus told a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. So I'm at this retreat, and I'm trying to meditate on praying always. But all I could do was come back to this widow who just kept coming back, who just kept at it. Widows at that time had very little power. Actually, women were not like legal witnesses in court, only men were. So she didn't have a husband or a son who could come with her. So she has very little power. She really is unable to defend herself. And she keeps coming back to this judge and being refused and coming back and being refused over and over. And she kept at it. 
instead of giving up, instead of falling into despair, she kept at it. And I thought to myself, how did she do that? How did she do that? At this retreat, I was reminded that there were people not there. There were clergy not there who left ministry in the pandemic. We've all heard of the great resignation, where at some point during this pandemic, people left their occupations, and a lot of clergy were part of that. Many clergy really suffered through the, through the isolation and the lockdown and the pandemic. I mean, I would describe it as they felt that they were in this pressure cooker of needing to keep everything the same when everything was different. And they were having to be faithful alone. They had to become suddenly good at skills they didn't have because no one, no one was prepared how to pastor at a distance. One of the questions, we had several, many small groups, and they would ask us questions. And one of the questions we talked about was, what did you learn about yourself from COVID? And one pastor said, he said, you know, when we came into COVID, when COVID arrived, he says, I was pretty good at tech. I knew how to video edit. He said, what I discovered is I really don't like it. <laughs> Another pastor in this same group said, when COVID arrived, I was terrible at tech. I was still having my kids help me work my phone. He said, and you know what I found out? I can make all this stuff work. <laughs> what different responses to the same experience. But what I thought about as I was looking out at this room of clergy gathered, these are the ones who stayed. These are the ones who kept at it, who stayed in the game. The pandemic and that isolation was hard on all of us. It was hard on our faith. It was hard on Christian community when we were isolated and many people really found that isolation took their joy. Our habits changed. We were for quite a while just in survival mode. And I really felt noticed how much of my faith is enlivened by your faith. And that was gone. We lost that time with other disciples. And for some, their faith withered in isolation. Their connection to church withered from the separation. And others kept at it. We are the ones in the room who kept at it, who stayed in the game. Some of the clergy shared, you know, as I talked with them, just real struggles and heartaches. And I, like, asked them that question, what kept you in the game? What kept you at it? And folks would just kind of look away with wide eyes and say nothing. They couldn't name it or they couldn't name it quickly. I wonder how that widow kept at it, being denied justice over 
and over. In the story, there is no question that her case is right, that her case is just, but she was denied. And therefore, her struggles, her heartache continued. Another day of, of suffering, another day of being denied justice, that judge would not use his power to protect her. But she kept at it. How did she do that? I wonder if she would look away like those folks with wide eyes. Well, some part of her listened to God more than the judge. Some part of her stayed grounded in her God-given dignity and the justice of her case. Some part of her was able to hope for a better today than yesterday. She kept at it. How do you keep at it? When things are hard, how do you keep at it? When life is hard and despair flirts with you, when you've prayed and nothing changes, when a loved one addiction continues to break your heart, when mental illness or pain is your constant companion, when you have been misunderstood or dismissed, when there is no reason to think that today will be any better than yesterday, how do you keep at it? I've had days when despair is right there flirting with me. When I feel ineffective in my family. When I've been hurt by people I deeply love. When I've been misunderstood. Or when I wasn't protected. When there's no reason to think that today is going to be any better than yesterday, and I think, what keeps me in the game? What keeps me at it? People have asked me that. And I look away with open eyes. <laughs> well, I remember that faith isn't about God doing what I want. That prayer isn't about giving God a to-do list. In fact, I would say faith can bring about suffering. That, that story that some of us have been told, follow Jesus and all will be fabulous, I don't know about you, but that is not my experience. Because faith means that we go serve the poor, that we stand in solidarity with the oppressed, and then, then we share their suffering when we shelter the hurting we join in their hurting. Faith is about connection to God. It's about coming back to God over and over and over, even when it doesn't make sense, because in the end, it turns out that God is the only thing that makes sense. Prayer is about connection with God. And when we... 
when what keeps us in the game is beyond us or beyond us right now. We notice that the hope and the energy and the persistence we have is given to us rather than because of us. It's been given to us to bring us close to God, a closeness that brings us back to God over and over, even when times are tough. It has been given to us, and we merely need to accept it. And will our persistence in prayer last only as long as times are good? Will our persistence in faith only be for when God does what we want? Will despair seduce us away? Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? And so in prayer, in discipleship, in faith, what doesn't seem to be all that important is why, but that we keep at it. Like the kids said, we keep at it. Like we keep at it like that amazing widow who shows us how to stay in the game. And so this week, maybe you can spend some time thinking about what keeps you at it, especially when times are tough. What keeps you at it? And maybe you can share that when you gather in small groups or share it at fellowship or in having coffee with a friend or going to lunch with a colleague. And then your faith, time with other disciples, helps them see how they keep at it. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you call us to persistence when things don't make sense. And then you give us the energy and the hope and the persistence we need to keep coming back to you over and over and over until our connection to you is strong, till our connection to you becomes the primary thing in our life. Lord, we ask you to give us the persistence of that widow. When despair flirts with us, send it away. When our faith becomes tired, give us energy. And Lord, let us hear the amazing faith in the voices of others. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.